I'm going to be in the book of Luke in chapter 1, starting in verse 26. And the Bible says this. In the sixth month, speaking of the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy that we talked about last week, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel, God's favorite messenger, was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth. Can anything good ever come out of Nazareth? Apparently it can. Can anything good come out of Kentucky? (laughs) Apparently it can. To a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting that this could be. Mm. Then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him. You will name him. Come on. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? How long? Come on. And his kingdom will have no end. Mary asked the angel, how can this be? Since I've not had sexual relations with a man. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Mm, To be overshadowed by God. And yet we try to overshadow him, don't we? We better get out of his way. Therefore, the Holy One... Uh, Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month uh, for her who was called childless for nothing. Not a thing. Not one thing. Not a few things. Not a lot of things. Not even one thing, nothing, nothing will be impossible. Nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then finally... The angel left her. Will you pray with me? God, we praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We trust in you, knowing that everything that we need comes from you, and we don't need nothing else. Lord, we praise you today. We worship you today. We thank you today. We trust you in the waiting and in the moment. God, you are all we need, and we know that with you, nothing is impossible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give him a shout of praise, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Mary, Mother Mary, full of grace, right? That's what the Catholics say. Mother Mary, full of grace. And you know what? They're right. They're right. That They're so right. Mother Mary is full of grace. But you know what? It ain't her grace. It's his grace. Can somebody say amen? She is full of grace. Filled from the bottom to the top and all the way around the sides. Filled with it. Led by it. Covered in it. Full of grace. Overflowing with grace. But you know who else is? We are.
We are full of grace, filled to the brim with the grace of God, overflowing with the grace of God, led by grace, saved by grace, brought to life by the grace of God. Can somebody say amen? Mary was this too. The, 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 the angel comes to her and says, Mary, you are favored. You found favor with God. Favor. Heard a sermon the other day about favor. Man, you're favored wherever you go. Favored. But you know what that favor really is? It's grace. It's grace. You know why? Because we don't deserve it. Because there ain't nothing special about us. There ain't nothing that makes us deserve God's favor over somebody else. There ain't nothing that makes us, you know, shine brighter in the Lord's eyes. No, 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 no. He makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. Can you say amen? He makes the sun shine on the crops of the righteous man and on the crops of the evil man, both the same way, man. God lets his grace flow like a river. It's just up to you whether or not you jump in. Can somebody say amen? That word favor is used one more time in the New Testament, only twice in the New Testament. It's in the book of Ephesians in chapter 1, and it's in verse 6. It says this, To the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely gives in the one that he loves. But it gets translated a different way here. Not as favor, but as grace. Same word. The grace that found Mary young and in a backwater town and betrothed to be married to somebody about to be put in a scandalous situation. The same grace that found her there is the same grace that found you wherever it was that Jesus Christ found you. The same grace that found her right there in Nazareth was the same grace that found you in that jail cell, brother. Was the same grace that found me standing on top of a hill. Was the same grace that called out to you to come and join the family of the living God. Is the same grace that called out to Mother Mary right there in the middle of Nazareth. And we know some things about her. We know that, that that's if she's covered in grace. We know that it says that the Lord will be with her. The, the, the Bible says the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And we know that the Lord was with her. He had to be for her to be able to accomplish the things that she had to accomplish. But you know who else the Lord is with? The Lord is with you. The Bible says that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you, that he's with you all the time, that he's a friend that'll stick closer than a brother, that he is the one that will be there with you when no one else will. He, when, when the whole world has turned their back on you and abandoned you and counted you out, you know who'll still be there for you? Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He doesn't care what kind of stuff you're going through. He doesn't care what, what kind of mess that you've gotten yourself into. Man, he will walk right into the midst of whatever mess you've created and stick his hand, his nail-scarred hand, right out to you. And he don't care who sees, and he don't care who knows, and he doesn't even care if you want him there or not. He'll still show up. He'll still show up. Whether you want him to or not, come up here and smack me in the back of the head right in the midst of my sin. Because he loves. Because he loves. You know what else was true about Mary? God had big plans for Mary. God had big plans for Mary. 
And, and, and he wanted to use her to do something that was so incredible that it would change the world forever. You know who else he has big plans for? You. You. Mary had humble beginnings. We've had humble beginnings. Mary was in the midst of a struggle. We are in the midst of a struggle. God's grace was on Mary. God's grace is on us. God had big plans for Mary. God has big plans for us right here, right now. God used her to change the world forever. And although we may not change it on the same level that she did, God wants to use you to change the world forever. So that means that this story in Luke chapter 1 is about Mother Mary and it's about you, right? Yeah, no. This story's not about Mary. And this story's not about you. And this story's not about me. This, this whole book, it's not about Mary. God bless her. I love her, man. She's incredible. She was a powerful woman of God, one of the most strong and amazing women of God that's in this entire scripture. Me and my wife did a whole teaching about it on our Bible study last year, just about what an awesome woman of God that she was. And I respect her, and I love her, and I adore her. But this story ain't about her. And this story ain't about us. And this book is not about us. As much as we want this book to be about us, it's not. It's not. And I'm glad it's not. I don't want this book to be about me. You know who this book is about? That's right. Say it louder. This book's about Jesus. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. All the way to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. It's about Jesus. The whole thing from top to bottom, from, from the first page to the last, all 66 books are about Jesus Christ, are about his truth and his grace, are about his love and his glory, are about everything that he is, everything he was, and everything that he's going to be, which is all the same because he's the same yesterday and today and how long? How long? forever. The story is about Christ. The story is about our Savior and our King. And so today, I want to teach you five things about Jesus that it makes perfectly clear in this scripture. And I want to use these five things to let you know that it's worth the wait. You know why? Because he is worth the wait. Number one, when the angel speaks to Mary, he says, don't be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Now listen, right? I, I, I just have to think is now is when it got serious. So we've had our small talk, we've had our greeting. Hey, how you doing today, Mary? You found favor with God, isn't that cool? God's gonna be with you. Now listen. You're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. The very first instruction, the very first description that Mary gets before she finds out anything else of the commands that she's going to be given, of the truth that she's going to have to receive, is the name. Do you think that's a coincidence? No. It's the name above every name. 
It's the only name under heaven by which we must be saved. It's the name that every tongue will confess as Lord. The name that everyone on earth will bend the knee before. Yeshua. Yeshua. The, the name Yeshua that, that we say Jesus in the English tongue. It means Savior. It means Rescuer. It means Deliverer. The, the name that we will be saved by, the name that we will proclaim, the only name that we'll be able to hold on to when all the rest of the world has fallen apart around us, the name of Jesus. You're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Mike. You're going to name him Vince. You're going to name him Paul. No. You're going to give birth to a son and name him whatever you want. No. You're going to give birth to a son, and you're going to name him Jesus because there's power in the name. There's power in the name. So when we proclaim, when we yell out the name Jesus, you know what we're saying in the Hebrew? Savior, rescuer, deliverer, Savior, come and save me. Save me, Jesus. Rescue me, Jesus. Deliver me. The name Jesus means Savior. And so it was no coincidence that that would be the name that they would attach uh, to this King of glory. The first thing I need you to know is the name. The second thing that the angel says to Mary is this. He will be great. He'll be great. And, and we overuse that word great in our, in our culture, right? So that word in the, in, in, in the Greek here that, that actually would have been translated from the Aramaic or Hebrew that they were speaking was, was more than we can imagine, right? It was so much more. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was wonderful. It was incredible. It was all those things rolled into one. Actually, what it means is immense, Right? So the word that they use there actually means like huge. Like he will be massive. Like he'll be more. He'll be more than anything that you could ever imagine. Like what you think is the greatest thing that you could ever hope for, the greatest thing that you could ever imagine, yeah, he's better than that. Well, what, what you think is the most beautiful gift that you could ever receive on all the face of the earth, yeah, he's more than that. Yeah, you know, the Messiah that everyone has in their head, like what they're expecting God to look like when he comes, yeah, he's better than that. He's more than that. He is above and beyond anything that you could ever imagine in your life. He will be great, greater than anything on the earth, greater than anything that's been lost under the earth. But get this, greater than anything in heaven. How do I know that? From the beginning of the book of Revelation. And, and I talked about this the other night, but, but so the revelator is there and he gets the vision of heaven and he's standing in the throne room. And then the father is holding the scroll in his right hand. You guys know this, right? And he's holding the scroll in his right hand. And, and, and he's about to bring about the rejuvenation of all creation. He's about to make all things right. He's about to wash away all the evil and sin that we brought to the earth and restore what the enemy and, and, and the sin that we brought in has taken away. But no one can open the scroll. No one. And so they search high and they search low. They search east and they search west. They look all throughout heaven and they can't find nobody to do it. The, 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 the elders gathered around that are worshiping God, they can't do it. The angels that are covered in ice standing before God, they can't do it. 
God's favorite messenger, Gabriel. He can't do it. The archangel Michael with his flaming sword that one day will defeat the dragon and take him down to the pits of hell. He cannot do it because he's not great enough. That's right. The one that's going to wrap up Satan and bind him in a chain and hurl him into hell. The archangel, the leader of God's armies. He's not enough. You understand what I'm saying? Like He's not great enough. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He doesn't. And so they search all on the earth and the greatest people of the earth fall short. And the Bible says they even look under the earth. I don't know. I guess they look in all of Sheol to all the souls that have ever passed away. Everybody that has ever been, everyone falls short. And John the Revelator begins to weep, right? The Bible says that he just falls and begins to weep because there's no hope. There is no one worthy to open the scroll. No one is great enough to bring about the rejuvenation of all creation. And so he just falls down on his hands and knees and begins to weep. And the angel says, hey, don't cry. Don't weep, it's okay. And the revelator looks up at the angel with tears in his eyes and he's like, what do you mean? And he says, behold. And dude, I have to think that the, the angels probably stop singing. And then the elders get up off their faces and everybody just looks. And he says, behold, the Lamb of God, the one that John the Baptist said would take away the sins of the world. And Jesus Christ the Son of God comes upon the scene, walks into the throne room of God, and he reaches out his nail-scarred hand and takes the scroll from the hand of God the Father, and he is the only one in heaven, on earth, below the earth that is worthy to break the seal and open the scroll because, way church, I said he is great. Can you give him praise? At the way church this morning he is great he's great he's so great that he humbled himself you know what the thing that hinders great people the most is come on you know see my brother just said it what is it pride the one thing that could have possibly kept him from completing the mission that God laid before him, the sin that caused Lucifer, the shining star, to fall from heaven, the sin that destroys most of us and leads to all the other sins, the sin of pride. And do you know how great you have to be to overcome that temptation? That was the one. That was the one. And yet he allowed himself to be put in the form of a human being and laid in a feed trough, in a stable, wrapped in rags. 
Because only someone who's truly great could step off the throne of glory in heaven, could come out from the middle of the adoration and worship of all of creation and allow himself to be made flesh and bone and laid in a manger. That's great. That's great. He humbled himself and made himself. Man, he's worth the wait. He is worth the wait. Number three. The angel says, he will be called the son of the most high. He will be the son of God. Mary, that's why it's so important that you haven't ever laid with a man. Because this is not the, the son of a man. Yeah, he'll be called the son of man, but not the son of a man. This is not the son of a man. This is the son of God. You know, we're blessed to be created in the image of God. But he was not made in the image of God. He is the image of God. Can you say amen? See, we were made. He was begotten. See, when you make something, you make it to resemble something else. When you begot something, it is the thing that it was, came from. He is God. He's not made by God. He's not made of God. He is God. Well, look, look, look at this. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible says this. This is one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 1, 3. The sun is, is the radiance. Do you hear that? Is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact, say exact, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided the purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Guys, he's worth the wait. He's worth the wait. He is worth waiting for. Man, they've been waiting for this guy for hundreds and thousands of years. And you know what? Jesus Christ was worth every second. Worth every second of the wait. He is the image of God, not made in the image, not some facsimile of, not an idol, not a copy, not a manifestation. No, 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 no. He is God. He is the perfect image of God. And oh my, he's worth the wait. Number four, he is, he, he, the Bible says that he will sit on the throne of his father, David. Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah. I need you to understand how important that is. You know, as, they, as they're going through Hanukkah, as they're lighting the lights on the menorah this week, I need you to understand that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. If Jesus is not the Jewish Messiah, then he can't be our Messiah either. But he is. He is. He is the one that came to fulfill every prophecy written in the Old Testament. He is the culmination of everything written in this entire book. He is the child that would stand on the head of the serpent in Genesis 3.15. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the prince of peace. He is the son of God. Can somebody say amen? 
and he's not what they were expecting at all, at all. I need you to hear this. They were expecting some great political leader, some warrior wearing armor to come in riding a horse and lead them out of their physical chains from the Roman Empire. That's what they wanted. That's what they were expecting. Some great soldier, some great strategist, some great general that would come and break the chains of their physical oppression and lead them into a time of plenty in the land of Israel. It's what they wanted. It's what they were expecting. But you know, like my brother's been teaching, expectation is the enemy of faith. Expectation is the enemy of faith. They try to put him in a box. He didn't belong in a box. He came in a manger. Can somebody say amen? They thought he'd be born in the temple in Jerusalem. He was born in a little podunk town in Bethlehem. They thought that he was going to be a great man. Instead, he was a great God. Can somebody say amen? And he is the culmination of all the hopes and all the prayers and all the prophecies and all the scriptures that came out of Israel. He is the Jewish Messiah. He does sit on the throne of David. He is the culmination of the line of David. He is the apex of everything that they ever hoped for. And Someday they'll see that. Someday they'll see that. I just hope that it's sooner than later for their sake. I do. And I hope that they see it. I hope that they understand it. I hope that they receive him. Because, man, I tell you what, he is every light on the menorah, and he's every light on your tree. He is the light of the world, and way, church, he is worth the wait. Number five, and this is my favorite one. This is something that people in our culture and our society today really, really need to hear. Governments come and go. Government leaders Come and go. Entire kingdoms rise and fall. But his kingdom, his kingdom will last forever. When everything that we see around us is nothing but dust, his kingdom will still stand. When nobody has any idea what a Republican or a Democrat is, his kingdom will still stand. When nobody even remembers what the United States of America was, his kingdom will still stand. Because the kingdom of the glory of God, the kingdom that was brought to fruition in Jesus Christ, will last forever. Forever. And we need, don't get me wrong, we need to do everything that we can to fix this country. We do. We need to do everything we can. We need to fight for it. We need to pray for it. We need to live and die for it. But we need to get our priorities straight. We need to get our priorities straight. I don't know about your Bible, but my Bible says, seek ye first. That's the King Jimmy version, baby. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all things will be provided unto you. We've got our priorities messed up. We're putting all our effort into a temporal kingdom when we should be putting everything we have into an eternal kingdom. Can you say amen? Because his kingdom will last forever. Will last forever. Forever. 
And so our allegiance should be to him first. Above all things. I should be a Christian before I'm anything. I should be a Christian before I'm a man. I should be a Christian before I'm an American. I should be a Christian before I'm a Kentuckian. I should be a Christian before I'm a husband, before I'm a father. I should be a follower of Christ before I'm anything else that I am in my life. And from who I am in him, everything else should flow. Do you hear me? From who I am in Christ, everything else in my life should flow. Because his kingdom is eternal. And his kingdom takes precedence over everything else that's going on in our lives. And when we get ourselves aligned like that with him at the center and everything else in our life orbiting around him and who he is, everything falls in place. And I'm telling you, it may be a struggle to get there. It may be a struggle after you get close to there. But he is worth the wait. He's worth the struggle. He's worth the pain. He's worth the ridicule. He's worth all the effort you have to put out. He's, he's worth all the time you have to put in. He's worth every one of those prayers that you prayed. He's worth every one of those moments of doubt and pain that you had. He's worth every second of life and death that you have endured to get to, to him. He's worth it all. He's worth it all. Romans 5, 6 says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for you. My Bible says for the ungodly, but you know, that's, that's, that's you. That's me. That's everybody that you've ever known. Not a second too soon. Not a second too late. At just the right moment, Christ died for you. The promises in our life, in Mount Angela's life, came true in Logan not too early. Not too late. At just the right time. So our house was burning down around our ears. Y'all have heard this story if you've been here very long. Y'all heard it the other night. Our house burned down around our ears and our house was on fire and we were about to die. The whole room was filled with smoke and we didn't even know which way to get out. And I busted the window out with my fist because we had the window screwed shut because people kept stealing our stuff that we shouldn't have had anyway. Don't ever do that. But I punched the window out with my fist and Helped my wife get out the window, and I climbed out the window, and I was cut to pieces and couldn't breathe. And we walked up to the top of that hill and watched our house burn down. And I was like, thank God. And I didn't even know God at the time, really. Not really. I would have told you I did. I would have been wrong. But I was thanking him anyway. That counts for something. But I didn't even realize what I was thanking him for. You know, sometimes you're thanking God and you don't even realize what you're really thanking him for. And sometimes you're cursing God when you ought to be thanking him. Because his promises are yes and amen, not for your happiness, but for your good. And I was standing up at the top of that hill watching our house burn to the ground. And I was thanking God for saving my life and saving my wife's life. Thank you, God, for giving us another day. We had to die like that. Thank you, God, for what you did. I had no idea 
the blessing that I was thanking him for. No idea. Because if Mr. Cat, God bless his soul, rest his soul, hadn't woke us up, and if God hadn't used that to allow us to get out of that building and burn to the ground, it wouldn't have been two people that died in there. It would have been three. Because she was pregnant with Logan, the promise was already being carried within her. See, the promise of God was already in her. We just didn't know that she was already pregnant with the promise when all the strife came. We didn't understand that she had already been impregnated with the promise at that moment. We didn't understand that. We didn't know that. And if it would have been cut off right there, then not only would we have lost our lives, but we would have lost the promise that she was already carrying with her. But by the grace of God, somebody say the grace of God. By the grace of God, he saved us. And he saved an unborn Logan Grider too. Can you say amen? And we would have never known about him. If we would have died in that fire, nobody would have ever even knew that Logan existed. But as we went to the hospital to get stitched up and she passed out from smoke inhalation and all those things, as they were doing the checkup for her, to, as, as in her recovery effort, they tested her to see if she was pregnant. And oh my gosh, what do you know? After all those years, in, in, in probably what we would have considered one of the, you know, at, the, at that time, the most trying time of our life. We were homeless. We didn't have a dime. We had nothing but the clothes on our, but the smoke-covered clothes on our back. And in the midst of all that struggle, at just the right time, the promise of God was fulfilled and manifested and made real he is worth the wait i don't know what you're waiting for today but i know this if you're waiting for god it's worth the wait if you're waiting on god it's worth the wait if you're waiting on God to do something incredible in your life, it's worth the wait. If you're waiting on him to do something in somebody else's life, man, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Listen to my testimony, man. It is worth the wait. We celebrated his 15th birthday yesterday. Yeah, man, give God praise for his miracle. It's worth the wait. It was worth the wait. But Mary says, how's this going to happen? How's this going to happen? That's different from Zachariah's question last week. Zachariah said, how can I believe this? Right? How how am I supposed to believe this? No, no, no. Mary just wants to know how. How is this going to happen? I don't understand. I can't have a baby. I've never been with a man. And the Holy Spirit, well, the angel Gabriel's like, yeah, and you're not going to be for a long time either. And he says this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
Now, listen. I think you preached about this last year, didn't you? That word overshadow, it it shows up in the Old Testament, right? It shows up in the book of Exodus. It shows up as the cloud that they followed in the day. Do you hear me? That that word overshadow, it, it, it shows up in the cloud that came down behind them when Pharaoh's men were about to overtake them. That, that, that word overshadow, it means cloud. It means cloud. And, and, and it shows up at the top of the mountain when Moses is up there directly communicating with God. That word overshadow. And, and it shows up at the mountain of transfiguration when, when they're standing there seeing Jesus side by side with Moses and Elijah. And it says this cloud. It's the same word, it overshadows. It overshadows and it's this cloud of glory. It's a cloud of glory. What we're talking about here is the manifest presence of the living God. What we in some of our circles call the Shekinah glory of God. It's the Shekinah glory of God. It's the cloud of God's power. It's that cloud of God's presence that, that blocks out everything else in the world. Mary, you're going to be overshadowed by the glory of God. I'm telling you guys, it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. You're going to be overshadowed by the glory of God. And when this happens, nothing else is going to matter. Biological practices and rules out the window. Society's rules and regulations out the window. All expectations broken by the glory of God. All the the, the manifestations and, 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 and machinations of the enemy crushed by the glory of God. Man, when this cloud of glory surrounds you, everything is gonna change and it's worth the wait. And he will be called Jesus and he will be the son of the most high God and he will be great and he'll sit on the throne of David because he's your Messiah and his kingdom will last forever And it's worth the wait. He is worth the wait. And I will leave you with this. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. for nothing not one thing is impossible with God and I don't care what the world said and Mike Beckley don't care what the doctor said 
and my wife didn't care what the doctor said and I don't care what the research on addiction says and I don't care what all the culture and all the society and all the newscasts and all the social media posts in the world say because you know who has the final word on everything the one that was so great he let himself be laid in that manger the one that was so great he let himself be nailed to that cross and the one that was so great that on the third day after they said that he'd been dead and that he was probably rotten and that everything that he had told was going to happen couldn't happen because he was dead in the grave got up and walked out to establish a kingdom that will never fall and to save you and to save me. (laughs) If you need him today, if you need him to do anything today, He is deliverer. He is savior. He is rescuer. And that doesn't stop when you surrender your life to him for the first time. It just begins. The gospel is not just for the unsaved. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for us all. And I think we need to be reminded of it very often. That he that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. That all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That the wages of that sin is death, but the gift of God is Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, crucified on a cross and risen on the third day. That all who call on His name will be saved. All who call on His name will be healed. All that call on His name will be delivered. All that call on His name be sanctified and glorified and justified and it may not be how you thought it was going to be but he's not doing it to make you happy he's doing it to make you holy